Hello, everyone, and welcome to the episode number 23. Happy New Year's with Taming the Tech Monster with none other than Anke Hermann. Such a pleasure and such an amazing presence to learn from because Anke is our tech expert. A few lines because she is going to do the talking today just a bit about her so you get to understand how important it is that you watch us and listen to us until the very end today. Anke is a business coach, mentor and tech expert, author of Taming the Tech Monster and a podcast host Obviously a dog lover since uh, you are going to check her profiles and see the amazing photos she has with this wonderful member of her family. 17 years plus ago, she quit her software developer job in the UK to start her own creative business in Spain. Now she uses everything she's learned in business, tech, creativity and psychology to help visionary coaches build online businesses that reflect their dreams and ambitions. This sounds amazing, but this is not it. Working with her as their business coach, coaches bring their vision to life through creating a powerful online presence and the courses, programs, podcasts, communities, and virtual events that allow them to serve more clients better with a clear strategy and tech taken care of. Yes, Anke brings you the full menu from A to Z. Welcome, Anke. It's wonderful to have you today with us. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm delighted to be here. Anke, please share with us, how did you get to tame the tech monster. What is your story? <laughs> I've been around for a while, so <laughs> I'm trying to keep this short. Um, yeah, I grew up in actually in East Germany, so we'll probably have another conversation <laughs> in the air about that. But um, when I finished uni as a translator, I, you know, a couple of years later, got the chance to move to Australia. And I went there with, you know, thinking that, oh, you know, Sydney is really multicultural. So I will be off and working as a translator and enjoying my linguistic life and quickly found out that that wasn't really the case. I still look back at that first job as the most stressful and badly paid job I ever had. So I sent out my resume to anyone who would have it and stumbled into a software company. And that's where I discovered software development. All of a sudden I was in the middle surrounded by tech tools, programmers, and that whole very supportive kind of environment. And I saw that a programming language was just like a real language. And I thought, you know what, it's like a real language, just simple. So I really took to programming. And it didn't take long until people would say, hey, you can get a job with this. And I'm like, oh no, you know, I'm a woman. I'm not technical, not my thing, no. <laughs> like I really, I was intrigued by the whole, how that, how that all worked. You know, you just type something in and this thing does something. So it was fascinating. And I was really keen on learning about it. But the idea of, 
working as a software developer, I was like, oh no, you know, I thought I was going to compete with all these, you know, young kids. I was about 30 at the time, you know, so I thought it was way too old for all of this. And, and it took quite a bit of nudging and a lot of support from people. Come on, you know, come on, you can do it. And so in the end, I thought, well, I'll take the exam. I take an industry exam and see, you know, that's in the 90s where there was jobs everywhere and it's all just sort of starting out. And then I thought, well, if I don't pass the exam, the problem is solved. But then I did pass the exam and then a job opportunity came out and then, oh, okay, you know. I thought, well, I, do I really want to work in this whole male-dominated industry? And I wasn't really keen at all. I thought I had to demonstrate that I'm twice as good to be half as recognized. And I wasn't really keen on that. But I thought, well, you know what? I'll give it a try and see what happens. And if I don't like it, I don't have to stay. And again, turns out none of those concerns turned out to be true. So I had a really long time that I had a blast in the software industry. Until that turned a little sort of sour in the sense that all the big companies were looking to outsource their projects. And next thing you know, all the opportunities are literally just sitting in meetings with Indian outsourcing companies. And at the same time, I'd been to Spain and I was really hooked on flamenco and this whole Spanish lifestyle. And I thought, oh, you know what? I don't know, I would really love to live in Spain. How can I pull it off? And what popped to mind was I was going to have my own business because then I didn't have to, I wouldn't have to worry anymore about restructuring or something that would take my job away and getting to an age where it would be more difficult to get a new job. So having my own thing actually put me at the helm of things and I really liked that idea. And I also wanted to let my creative side out. So I thought, oh, I'm going to make flamenco costumes in Spain. You know, and so there was literally, that was my, let's just see what happens was my business plan, literally. <laughs> so you can imagine it was the recipe for, you know, call it a wild ride. I did manage to pull it off. And sometimes I think it was literally that not having any fear of failure because it was just so crazy, so out there that anything other than failure was a bit of a surprise. So, but at the same time, I also burned myself out in the process totally burnt myself out because I didn't know how to say no. And so now try do that when your clients want stuff and you say yes to everything, right? That's just not healthy. And it took me about eight years until I had enough and thought, oh, look, this is not one step further. And so there was basically this big turnaround where for the first time on that business, and I wasn't any longer prepared to put up with, you know, anything, all these demands that were coming at me from all, all angles. And it was first time when I said no to things because I no longer cared about, you know, everybody would stay away and badmouth me and all these things that I really got to see that, again, none of all that stuff I lived by was actually true. And that's when I realized, well, wait, you know, my guess is I'm not the only one who went out with loads of enthusiasm and got to see that our upbringing does not prepare us for entrepreneurship. Right? And in my perfect world, everybody does work they're passionate about, they, that it's fulfilling and meaningful and has the support they need to actually 
get over those hurdles because there's really three things it's like you need to know what to do you need to know how to do it and you need to get out of your own way to actually do it and um that's when I, I did coach training that's what i wanted and i wanted to support people who had a passion they wanted to turn into business and it wasn't until the pandemic hit last year that, that i really got noticed that all the time people were asking hey can you help me with this i don't know i want to create an event, but where does the button go that people can sign up for it? Or I have a website and I need to make changes to it. I don't know how to access it. Can you help with that? And I'd always be like, hey, no way, that's easy. And it took me until the pandemic hit that I could see all these people who had created a business that worked well offline and they got shoved into the whole digital space at a time and a pace that they didn't choose. And so I really finally let go of that resistance of, of, you know, basically bringing that tech expertise into the mix. And that's when I wrote the book and, um, you know, the rest of history, so to say. Wow, Anke, what a story. I am being very inspired now. And I love the transition that you made from being employed to wanting to have a different lifestyle. You wanted to go to Spain and you kind of made it it does sound very natural and rather easy. You made the transition from being employed to entrepreneurship. Can you maybe tell us how was it? How was maybe your relationship with fear back then as opposed to how it's now? <laughs> yeah, no, I think there was, well, the story sounds a lot nicer than it was, right? Because Really, I actually, I did a video about that, like, like how I really started my selling business. I literally scratched my nails on flamenco school doors for literally for exactly 15 months before somebody told me anything other than go away. <laughs> likely. They weren't always that fine. But um, yeah, there was basically 15, 15 months of, of rejection after rejection of go away, we don't need you. You know, you're never going to make this. Yeah. So that's why I always say, you know, you need passion alone won't carry, carry it, but boy, you need enough, you need enough to get you. And I mean, looking back, you think, well, if I started this, like, again, well, there would be things that I do differently. So, you know, probably wouldn't take that long. But, but the whole fear, I mean, I actually, I was really fearful when I was, when I was a child. I was like the total fearful kid. I was the one who would not um, get on a bicycle because what if I fall off? I can break a leg. And if that other person doesn't know how to control their bike, they run into me. And I would think of all these consequences that they always say kids don't consider. That's all I could see at four years old or three years old. Or, you know, I remember that stories my parents tried for like the whole summer holidays to get me over my fear of water. You know, like any fear you could have, like I had it, you know, it was literally, <laughs> and, and it almost, it sort of melted away over, over time. And I got to see this um, actually last year, really, when I wrote a chapter for a book as part of the series, it's called Fear and Nuts. And in the process of writing this is where I got to see that that fear had actually never really been mine. It was actually my grandma's concern 
because I grew up, you know, she brought me up when I was little. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, wait, she was the one who was always careful and always cautious and always saw worst case scenario and took that as like, this is a given, this is inevitable. And I'm like, oh, all I did as a child was basically imitating that. And the more I grew up, that sort of slowly, I always, I always said, like, I feel like in that respect, like Benjamin Button, I get crazy with age. So <laughs> you don't want to see what comes out in 20 years. But um, so that fear was sort of slowly, had less of a grip. And the one thing that really set my head straight about fear and, and going for things was basically getting out of East Germany, right? Because that was literally, that was a one-way ticket. You know, and I, I got out before the wall came down and I didn't jump the walls. So I wasn't going to risk getting shot, but um, I did the paper war and it took over two years. But then, you know, one day there was a letter and it says, hey, you're on that train and you're out and you won't be able to come back. Nobody knew at the time that the wall would fall a few months later, right? So it was when I left, it was the one-way ticket. And there was no way back. It was literally anybody who you, you leave behind then you won't see again, you know. And for me, anything after that, what's a big deal? <laughs> so there was there's there's always, and I think fear, or I always see it in the light of there's the unknown. Like when you usually fear the unknown when you're not quite sure, and when you have doubts that you can handle what's coming at you. Because if you think you can handle it, you handle the unknown just fine. You know, but when you're worried that you might not be able to handle it, then that's when 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 fear sets in. And I think anything after that jump into no way back, anything after that always felt like there's nothing at stake, right? So in case of that, I'll try it out to space it. So like moving to Spain and and you know, quitting my job, moving to Spain, it was basically, well, you know what it felt like? It felt like, um, you know, when you walk along the street and you see a shop window with a dress you really like, and you walk past every time it pulls you out that dress, right? And there's really only one way to get out of your system. Like you have to try it on. And then two things can happen, you either, put it on and you go, oh my God, this is my dress and it's going to be your favorite dress ever. Or what happened in my case, I got, you put it on and you go, oh boy, that looked better on the dress made or something, right? But then you can walk past it and it just doesn't have the same appeal anymore. And you see it and yeah, it's a nice dress, but it's not mine and I'm okay now, I can walk past. And that's literally what I felt like about starting my own business. There was this pull and I thought, I want to try it. I want to try on the dress. And I was almost like I didn't care whether whether it fit or does or didn't. I just needed it out of my system. I did not want to look back wondering, oh, I wonder what life in Spain would have been like. You know, that's I I always say like I fear regret much more than failure. So yeah. Thank you for sharing this with us. Wow, you have said so many bomb-inspiring things right now. I think I counted four. And I love it when you say that, okay, try it on. At least now I know 
there's no regret. I can move on, but not be with my mind hanging on something that it could be or it could be not. Might as well go for it. I love it. I truly love it that you have this mindset. And can you please share with us, what would you say that most inspires you now? Is it internal or is it external? Is there something out there that gets you fueled and moving to do things? Just say, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a lot of trouble. Inside. I mean, I get easily inspired really by, by, by all sorts of things. But I think when I see somebody who's living their purpose and who literally lets their creative gift flow freely, you know, without worrying about what is for that, without overthinking, just let it come through and let it out, that's incredibly powerful. And anybody, anytime come across somebody like that it's like you know there's often artists and and yeah I don't know if you find people like that in all in all fields there's entrepreneurs there's you know it can be mom next door right it doesn't really matter what it is but that sense of allowing your creative potential just to express it and let, let it come through love it and if you were to choose today, do you think that you would maybe do things in a different way or are you totally happy with everything that you have uh, taken along your path and with all the results that you have now as a person? Um, well, I mean, <laughs> I thought about this often that, what, you know, I would, if I start, I mean, I definitely, definitely would start the business again. I would move to Spain again in a heartbeat. I would do a few things differently in the sewing business when if I had the chance to start again. You know, looking back, especially like when you work with like helping other people, it's always easier to see it for other people, right? But if I look with a distance back at my business, I'm like, why on earth didn't you just sign up for classrooms? Right? So I mean there are a few things that that I would do differently, but at the same time, even with all the stressful times and all the pressure I felt and all the time pressure and all these work through nights and all of that has taught me everything I needed. Like it, it was a stepping stone. I still think you couldn't, I wouldn't even want to skip it because of what it's what allows me to be really helpful to other people now. Because I think if you have to have smooth sailing, you know, how are you going how are you gonna teach somebody to sail if you've never been in a school, right? Yeah, because people mainly do what they see us doing, not what they hear us saying. Love it. Anke, can you please tell us which is your biggest lesson or motto, something that is a guide for you in life with all of the moving and all of the, the amazing experiences that you have had so far? <laughs> I mean, what, what keeps coming, what comes back immediately is like, can you still try it out, right? So, because I think it's like my grandma, who I was extremely close to, she passed away with all these, like she had all these things she wanted to do. And you know when you know when I'm 
you know, well, I can do this and I'm going to do this, I'm going to travel, I'm going to learn to dance and share all these things. And in the end, she passed away and never got to do any of it. So I'm incredibly passionate about almost not, not, not living what she would have wanted, but to, to like what you said before as well. I think, I mean, if there's something that pulls me, I will try it out because I really don't want to regret anything. So it's, and I think there's also, there's a book by an Australian lady called Bonnie Ware, and it's called The five, Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And number one turns out to be people regretting not, ha not having followed their heart and not having done in life what they really wanted to do. So if there is something that pulls you or calls you, <laughs> this is maybe the best advice that I have heard this year. So um, our fearless friends might as well follow your desires because we sometimes think that we have time, don't we? But the thing is that we don't. We don't have that much time. So might as well do that thing and learn from it. If it doesn't work out, what a tremendous life lesson and an experience to just help you evolve. And you know what? Next time you'll know better. <laughs> I always yeah, think yeah. it's a huge failure because I myself have had some interesting experiences. I know that next time I'm going to avoid doing that. So not knowing and also knowing is such a blessing in disguise. Because you Absolutely. get so much more wise, you get to be wiser, and this experience opens amazing creativity doors, as Anke also said. Anke is very creative, so she can help you shape your business from A to Z. I really like it when you have your description with having tech taken care of, because we all have... <laughs> our technical issues and monsters. Can you please tell us how did this great book, Taming the Tech Monster, how was it created? What is the story around it? <laughs> You're gonna love that story. It, it, was, it was a dare, basically. Right? It was literally um, in April last year, <laughs> a friend of mine invited me to a Facebook group. And so it was, I think it was on a Friday. And the Facebook group was called um, Your Authority Book. And I'm like, oh, you know, writing a book was one of those things that I always knew I wanted to write one and I always knew it was going to be nonfiction, but it was never now. It was never clear what it would be about. And when I saw this, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, there's something like this. Yeah, so I'll accept to join that group. Turns out there was a um, lovely lady, Ruth Sullivan, says, I've got a proposition to anybody in the group. Uh, let's write a book in 30 days, you know? So over the weekend, she put out a number of videos and to basically explain a little bit what was involved. And there was one thing, and my first impulse was 30 days, no way, <laughs> that's amazing. And there was one thing she said that made sense to me, she said, your authority book gets edited. It doesn't get written, it gets edited. Like it's not like it's not like a novel where you have to construct the storyline and develop characters. It's like you write about things that 
you really know very well. So it's more about collecting your thoughts, structuring, you know, choosing what goes where and turning that into a coherent, you know, piece of work. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that feels right and that feels doable. So let's go. You know, and it was again one of those, one of those um, cases of in case I'm trying out because I wasn't really sure whether um, you know that was really possible, but 30 days later, taming the tech monster was on Amazon. So Wow. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I would love some more details about this. So you got it published from zero, only having an idea to Amazon. Not even that. (laughs) Well, I mean, that was was basically the initial conversation I had with with Ruth, who was guiding us through all of that. was like, oh, where should I go with this, right? You know, because I like it was about entrepreneurship, and and it would be around having your own business, and and there was one part that pulled me towards, you know, what it really takes, those qualities that you usually don't expect, because I like in my experience, it's the biggest crash course in personal development that I totally didn't expect. You know, I thought it was a matter of finding clients and knowing how to market, knowing how to administer your business. I never knew how much I would grow as a person in that process. So one part of me pulled in that direction, right? And the other part was, I could see people struggle with tech, right? And so I thought, oh, well, you know, I can always write the other book later. <laughs> but the, the, the setting the expectation right and shedding a bit of light onto that jungle that's the whole digital online tech world that seemed more needed more relevant at the time so that's why I went that route and then yeah yeah and then once I sat down and created like a mind map oh I need this and I need that and this and that and then and I was off with the races yeah love it thank you for sharing this with us Anke <laughs> it does sound unbelievable but since you have done it and you, you have grown so much in the process. What a tremendous experience this has turned out to be. And I'm going to talk to you about this later <laughs> because I'm so curious. You, you, you have put together such great stuff in this book. And can you please tell us, how does your business exactly help the people you get in touch with? What are the processes that you most use? Hmm. Well, the process is actually really funny because the process is actually always the same and it's really simple. It's just this really three steps to it. And the, one, the first step is clarify. And <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a great story for that. What that means is and it's, it's, it's interesting because it's what I used to do in software development, what always made the difference and what made the difference in my sewing business. That's why people would come and they'd wait for months to get me to, to make the dress because I wouldn't implement, I wouldn't do what the client asked me to do. You know, that's like number rule, rule number one in software development and it's golden for like anything. <laughs> It's like never ever do what the client asks you to do, right? <laughs> because the classic example where you can really see how this plays out, um, if we go into the world of dresses and dance dresses, so people would come and say, hey, and 
I want um, a pencil skirt, right? I want a skirt that is like a beautiful, beautiful pencil skirt straight down to, to the knee and then it flares out and has buckles and this and that. And now the thing is, most dressmakers would go and create a lovely pencil skirt with beautiful ruffles down the bottom. The skirt looks great. You know, the client would stand there and have a wonderful photo. But when people ask, they say, well, never really wear it. It's lovely, but, you know, because when I would hear that same thing, I'd say, wait, you don't want a pencil skirt. You want a skirt that doesn't make you look fat on stage. And they go, oh my God, like, what? Yeah, yeah, because once we know that, there's other ways to do that. Because a pencil skirt has one big problem, you can't dance it, right? Because you can't do the movements that you need to do. So then you have to lift it up and then it doesn't stay and it doesn't come down and then, look, it just does, isn't functional. But so now when you don't know about dress design, you see, oh, you've heard somewhere, you know like a pencil skirt is flattering. But you don't think of all the implications of actually, well, you can't dance on it, it isn't functional. But if we actually take a step back and say, what's the real problem here? And then we find a solution to that. Well, now we have materials to play with, we have cuts to play with, we have proportions to play with, we have color to play with, we have a whole different set of tools and, and strategies to play with to find a solution and to give you a dress that makes you look really slim and flattering. You know, that's really flattering, makes you look great and you can actually dance in it as well. So that's the same thing that I now do when people come and say, hey, I need a button to have people register for my, <laughs> you know, for my event, right? So I will never just say, okay, this is how you do a button. There's always that step in between where we need to clarify what is it that you're actually trying to achieve? Because the thing, and we all do it, like I do it when I go somewhere and when I ask for something that I don't know much about, when we don't know much about something, the solutions, we, we, we think we need to ask for what we think the solution is, right? But if you don't know much about a thing, your idea of the solution usually, usually isn't the best thing to do. So the first step is clarify. What the heck do you actually try to do? Then the second step is simplify. Okay, now that we know what you really need, instead of a pencil skirt, let's just use elastic fabric or let's just cut it like this, but make a big kind of triangular piece in the back. So from the front, it looks exactly the same, but it's, you know, or something totally different, you know? So then, then we start simplifying the actual solution, then we build it, right? So that's always that same process. And I think most of the power in it is in these early stages, because most of the time people ask for the wrong thing and then they get what they ask for and then they find oh jesus that's not really solving my problem because nobody went deep enough in that in that early in that early stage this got me thinking that most of the coaches work and the consultants work is very underestimated we think we know it all Maybe we do, maybe we don't, but having clarity figured out with the help of a coach is priceless. That's why my fearless friends, get in touch with Anke. You will find all her details in the descriptions below the video and below 
below our Spotify version of this terrific talk, since she can ask you those questions that can really make a difference. You know what to do next. And yes, simplify things because our natural tendency as humans is to sometimes maybe overcomplicate things. And we have all sorts of worries and limiting beliefs. And as you said about your grandmother, we do model everything there is around us and we are not built as entrepreneurs naturally. So um, having someone as Anke, which, you know, I wish I had met you <laughs> earlier before I got my ears and nose hanging with all sorts of <laughs> technical issues that I, I barely got my way out of. That's why it is vital to find someone that can truly understand what's your purpose and then help you find the best solution together as a team. This is wonderful. Absolutely. And I think the technical part, like the actual building part, that's actually something that I think that kind of strange combination of, of uh, because you see it a lot, a lot of people will take courses on their, or there's programs where you get taught a strategy, right? And then, you know, I don't know, like here, this is how you build an online course. This is how you build your signature system or whatever, right? And then it's like, oh, and then you just set up an email. And then you just do a webinar, right? But then the practicalities of that, you're usually on your own because the coaches usually don't want to, like, either don't know or they don't want to go there. So normally people end up being, oh, well, and now they look, they're looking for some tech person, but the tech person can't help them on the other side, or they didn't kind of start telling them something totally different. And in the end, there's the sense of, I would say a lot, a lot, a lot of people really feels like a jungle. Like it's confusing, it's dense, it's like you get lost in it, there's predators lurking everywhere. And I think not leaving people at the edge of the entrance of the jungle to say, well, okay, now we know what we're doing, we're actually building it together. That's that's probably pretty rare in a sense, but it does give people so much relief, so much like, ah, so I can actually get this thing off the ground, out of my head, into the world, you know, really help their clients with, with whatever, whatever their gift is. So it's really that full process that um you know that takes the idea into and really brings it to life and really brings it into the world because, you know there's no it's, it's like it's like it's like in fashion you know just the drawing is no fun it's still just a drawing right so it's no fun until the dress is on a stage dancing so, and i'm basically approaching it the same way the tech stuff you know if it's not on stage dancing i'm not happy love it Anke, would you say that you take the complex part of business and make it really profitable? That's the whole, that's the plan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, that's it. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful. And please tell us, because I'm sure that our viewers on YouTube and our um, listeners would want to know, do you work with startups as well as with advanced um, entrepreneurs or which is your ideal client so that people may contact you accordingly? Yeah. Well, most of my clients are in the 
coaching, therapy, trainer, author kind of space. People who have a message, something that they really want to bring out into the world. And they're not always new in business, although sometimes they are. And But they are usually new in the online space or... So you see, most of my clients are... It's, it's one of those things that I've observed over time and I'm like, oh boy, that makes so much sense. They're, they're your big picture thinkers, right? Because not everybody is tech challenged. Like some people just, I just don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, just... You can see how we usually connect over the vision. Like this is what I want to create, right? But then when you're one of those creative idea generating like machines, you're this big picture thinker, when you, when I then come and say, well, okay, so now how exactly do you want this to go out? They go, you can see the eyes glance over, right? So it's like, and for me, that's where it gets interesting to actually make it work. So it's this perfect combination between your visionary big picture thinker and big ideas and, but they don't want to get down into the nitty gritty because, and that's when they try it on their own. Even if they're quite tech savvy, they don't have the patience, they don't have the headspace for it, they don't want to go there, it just pours the life out of them, you know, or they just don't have the skills and the experience, which is kind of, you know, fair enough, you never had to deal with it, it's not something that, especially in our generation, it's not something that you grew up with, and so they either don't know, or don't want to go there, or, you know, don't have the patience, don't have the headspace for it, so then that's basically that collaboration. And, you know, I could also say, since I kind of now am going back, way back when I started, that I kind of lost so much precious time, Anke. Because you know what? You know your stuff. You know your business, as you said. You know your coaching. You know your training. You know your message, your vision. But do you really want to spend all that precious time doing extra things that you should not take care of because you need to be coaching and teaching and educating people. It's not your job to know it all. I know I was very, um, what is the right word? (laughs) Very stubborn to think that, oh, it's my business. I need to do it all. I need to know it all. But boy, was I completely wrong. Therefore, my fearless friends, remember this. You are good at what you do. You are an amazing expert. I'm pretty sure that you know your mission very well. However, let yourself be helped in creating a business as well, because there is impossible that you get to know it all. There are just so many layers of technical stuff. <laughs> and I can, I can say that I have tested it all. Although, you know, Anki, I wish I had guidance to not waste once again so much precious time when I could have written another book or I have done several other live sessions and worked so much more on my personal development as as a speaker, as a trainer. So thank you so much for sharing this with us. I also wanted to ask you, what advice would you give to someone that's young at the beginning of their journey that have a message 
besides telling them to contact you because yes i'm going to insist <laughs> i'm going to insist on this as well contact someone like anke that can give you all the tools that you need so that you flourish and thrive and see business as a beautiful journey. So Anke, what would you advise people to focus on more, someone that's uh, young at the beginning of their road? Well, when, when you're first starting, I mean, I think the first thing that jumps to mind is, well, just look at it like a building project. <laughs> it's probably gonna take longer than you think, and it's probably gonna be harder than you think. It's gonna be loads more rewarding than you ever expect. and learn to listen to yourself like if it feels like there's one thing i always say to my clients is when it feels hard that means you're skipping steps right most of the time and i think it's not your fault it's we are bombarded by marketing messages all the time you know make kind of just follow my you know <laughs> sign up for my program and make six figures in six weeks right proven success from that blueprint here you go well, there's a lot more that is unexplored territory where you're going to have to step out without a map. You're going to have to be prepared to take a path without knowing for sure that it is the right one or that it takes you where you want to go. Because it's your business, it's unexplored territory, you're going to have to be willing to take the risk and make friends with uncertainty or the unknown, you know, so that's, that's it. Like you want to do that, but at the same time, when you think it's all overwhelming, slow down, smaller steps, you know, just basically you have a direction and you take one step at a time. And when it feels hard, step to day. And I think the, we often <laughs> find ourselves surprised how small that next step can take can be if you just you can you know you will have moments where you go oh boy what on earth am i doing you know i was like you can throw the dummy out of the time all you want just don't stop putting one foot from the other and tiny steps very inspiring and this got me thinking to a great saying that i heard a few years ago the first time i heard it i think it was in uh one of Tony Robbins' videos on YouTube saying that Michael Jordan's uh, journey was so out of the ordinary because he failed more than anyone. And this is what got him to be the best, to be yeah. a champion. Yeah, because and he wouldn't give up, right? He would not, and I've heard that too, right? And I think that is exactly the thing because you know, just like I had like all these months of running around and getting told to bugger off. And so it's, it's, it, it won't all go your way, right? But then, like, it doesn't matter. There is no such thing as failure. It just always depends on when are you going to stop and take stock because you can take it as a stepping stone or, you know, because it's like a series of experiments. You can go and you do something, you, you take a step because it makes sense to you, given what you know, where you want to go, this is the next step. But then, well, you know, usually you're dealing with other people. Sometimes it doesn't work out the way you think it will. Okay, fair enough. So you just review, adjust, and go again. And you don't want to skip that go again bit because you can't let the setback discourage you because that's when, you, that's when you're never going to get your business off the ground. If you take the lesson 
you know, adjust and make the next, take the next step, you know, then you will create something that you're proud of. Might not be what you thought in the beginning, but, you know, I've got a podcast and when I look at all the people I've talked to, most of them, the business they got successful with wasn't the thing they had in mind when they started and that's fine. You know, you just don't want to stop. This is so inspiring, Anke. Once again, thank you for sharing all this wisdom with us. <laughs> I'm going to watch this again, listen to this again, and honestly take some notes because this is triggering me in such a great way of letting my mind be more creative because there is this fear of failure. And I did specialize in fear in business a lot because I found it fascinating and a bit worrying at the same time to see how many layers of fear we have underneath the biggest fear. Fear is part of us. Might as well mingle with it, dance with it, flamenco with it, (laughs) and see how you can thrive because you wanted to get rid of fear it is mainly impossible. Fear also has its benefits. It is a part of who we are as humans. So might as well make the best of it. And as Anke says, just look at it from a new perspective, learn from it and move on. If things maybe don't look like you have originally wanted to, that's okay. You are making progress. That is still wonderful. And Anke, please tell us, how can our audience get in touch with you? I'm pretty sure that everyone, everyone listening and watching us wants to get their hands on this terrific book, Taming the Tech Monster. Yeah, it's, um, you can have the link up to the, to the book. I'm, I'm, you know, gifting anybody who is listening to this a free copy of it. Um, TamingTheTechMonster.com is a good place to start. Uh, or ankeherbin.com, that's my main website. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. Wonderful. Thank you for this great gift. And most of most of all, thank you for the gift of your presence, of your wisdom. And Anke, before we go, I know everyone wants to know this. Can you flamenco? No. <laughs> perfect excuse is that I was so busy making dresses that I never I actually this is it is this funny because I did actually uh have an exchange with a flamenco teacher we lasted both of us we lasted about six weeks because she said hey come to my beginners class and you teach me how to sew and uh we both got busy and <laughs> so you know I had no more than six weeks of flamenco classes under my belt <laughs> Oh shit, Anke, because I wanted to get some moves from you today. Maybe next time. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe next time. There's always. Maybe next time. Wonderful. Well, Anke, it has been a joy, a pleasure, a real inspiration. Thank you. What an honor to have you and to smile with you, to learn from you and to laugh with you. It has been such a privilege. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for the invitation again. Good luck.